From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. It may only be spring football, but you'd be forgiven for thinking it's already time for the season with temperatures rapidly rising in Gainesville. Friday brings the second iteration of Swamp Night, with the Gators going under the lights for the Orange and Blue debut. Today we'll dive into spring game storylines with sophomore wide receiver Josh Hammond and FloridaGators.com senior writers Scott Carter and Chris Harry. We'll also check in on former Gator quarterback Austin Appleby as he tries to get on the NFL's radar. But first, Florida's wide receiving core has improved drastically in the last few seasons, with young playmakers emerging to support breakout star Antonio Callaway. Josh Hammond is among the key contributors hoping to have a huge year for the Gators, and we asked the legacy how he's used the spring to improve. During the spring, you know, it's it's a lot of competing going on between us and the defense, and I just feel like I learned a lot more about the offense and a lot of different things that I can use during the season that'll help benefit my game a lot more. Is the setting helpful, having less pressure because you're not in the game week, you're not getting ready for the season, you're kind right. of in more of an exhibition mode? Um, definitely. You know, it is less stressful because, you know, you don't have any game to worry about. It's just, you know, going against your teammates every day. And, um, you know, it gets really competitive out there, but, you know, it's for the benefit of yourself. For the team overall, what are some areas you've seen the greatest improvement? Um, probably within the offensive line and the quarterback position. I think they've came a long way from when I first got here last spring to now. What have been the differences for you from last spring to this spring? Having that experience and knowing more of what's going on, how much has that helped you? Um, just knowing a lot like about the game, I think, has helped me grow a lot more. Because, you know, last year coming out of high school, didn't really know much, you know, just playing football was just playing football. But when you get to college, you know, you got to know a lot more when it comes to defenses and a lot of different coverages. So um, going through the year and going through last spring, I feel like I've learned a lot more and been able to use it to help benefit my game. Fans never stop thinking about football throughout the year. But for you guys, the bowl game happens and then people don't see you again until the spring game. So can you take us through what you do during that two, two and a half month period? Um, you know, we work out. We go through a very strenuous workout period where we just stay in shape and just stay on top of our stuff before spring ball comes up. And then when spring ball comes up, you know, we get a lot of good work in and then we try to put on a good show for the fans for the spring game. When you blew out Iowa in the Outback Bowl, how significant was the momentum that that gave this program? Um, it was really good. You know, um, there was a lot of talk about, and hey, nobody knows if Florida's really this good and blah, 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 blah. But I think we came out and... um show what we're really capable of. It really helped swing us in the right direction to show that this program's headed in the right direction. What have been the biggest challenges for you transitioning from your freshman season to your sophomore year, at least at this point? Um, just being more savvy, you know. The college level, everybody's pretty athletic and pretty good at football, so you just got to know how to outsmart your opponent, and it comes from watching more film or just being more disciplined with your techniques and stuff. Which teammates have helped you the most with that process? Who have you really turned to for how to better analyze film and what you can do to maybe get a little bit more of an edge? Um, Jared Davis has helped me a lot, and also like Quincy and Jalen Tabor, they've also helped me a lot as well. Just as far as understanding the game, knowing how to read defenses, and knowing the little keys that I could pick up on defenses and stuff like that. 
And all three of those guys you mentioned are no longer here. So right, yeah. who who fills that void now that those leaders have left? Um, probably look to like David Reese or other guys on defense because they know like what other defenses will look like and stuff that'll help me understand. So probably look like Chauncey, David, Marcel, you know, just those guys that help me understand more about the actual defense. Now, people who don't know you might think you're on the defensive side, but you're a wide receiver. So Correct. why have the defensive players been so important to your development? So when I play in a football game, I'm going to go against another defense. So I would like to understand what a defense is doing because it will help me play faster as mm-hmm. a wide receiver. So I feel like if I know what the defense is doing and how they're going to do it, it will help benefit my game and allow me to play faster at a high level. If we can go back a little bit, talk about where you came from, where you grew up. Can you tell us about your family and kind of where, where did Josh Hammond begin? So I grew up in South Florida around, like, North Miami area. Um, I have an older brother, older sister. My sister was a state champion in track, 100-meter hurdler. Hmm. My brother came out of high school, came to Florida, played from 08 to 2012. He now plays in the NFL. And, um, you know, I just tried to follow in his footsteps and take as much as I can from him. There's a pretty big age gap between you and, and Frankie. All right. How much was he part of your football development, even despite how far apart you guys are? Not much. Um, kind of growing up, I didn't really talk to Frankie about like sports and stuff. You know, we were just regular brothers. Um, I knew he played football, and I was always involved in what he did, but he never really helped me as far as developing. I wouldn't say we started working out together probably till like my 11th grade year in mm-hmm. high school. So at that point, what role did he take on? When football did become part of your relationship, mm-hmm. how did he help you? We just worked out together. That was pretty much it. He gave me, like, little tips and stuff here and there. But um, besides just working out together, that was pretty much it. We didn't really talk much about football. We just kind of did our own thing. He played football. I played football. And that was pretty much it. How much do you talk about football now that you're going through the same things he did playing here at Florida and he's off in the NFL? Um, Not much. The only thing we probably talk about, I just ask him, like, how things were when he was here with Coach Meyer and Coach Muschamp. And just to see, like, the things he went through and try to, you know, match it to see what we do and just see how things are. So between your family, you've played for the last three Gator coaches here. How does the program change? Like, when he talks about his experience here right. playing under a different coach, right. is it similar? Are there a lot of differences? Um, I would say it's more similar to what Coach Meyer did back in the day. But I feel like Coach Mack is bringing it back, bringing the order back and able to get us back on the right track. Did you always want to be a Gator, or how much did seeing Frankie play here factor mm. into that? Um, I would say it factored a lot. When I was going to other schools, you know, nothing really felt like home because I had been here, like, my entire life. So I'd probably say that was probably the most deciding factor of it. I was just so comfortable with the University of Florida. I knew where everything was. I knew I wasn't far from home, and I think that was a big decision. What else stood out? What did this staff do when they were recruiting you that, that showed you this was the right place for you? Well, um, when Coach Matt came – and they offered me a scholarship. My brother was like, sure, go ahead. I feel like they were heading in the right direction with the offense and throwing the ball, and things were getting a lot smoother. So um, I think that pretty much helped me make my decision to become a Florida Gator. I'm sure that guys like Marco Wilson are going through this as well, but right. when you have an older brother or a father or a legacy at a school, there can be maybe additional pressure in that. Do you feel at all any weight on you trying to live up to Frankie and, and do what he did here? No, not at all. Um, I just came here to do what I can do to help benefit the team. You know, um, Frankie did the same thing when he was here, but I don't feel like I have to live up to any expectation. You know, I'm just here to try and benefit the team and help us win as many games as we can. What specific pointers or advice has he given you based on his time here and now being in the NFL? What has he maybe told you to help you get your game to the next level? No, just stay disciplined. Don't let anything discourage you and uh, just keep working and everything will fall into place for you.
as a wide receiver, you've gotten a first-hand look at the quarterback battle that, that fans are talking so much about. I'm sure people are trying to say, well, which guy is going to be the starter? I'm not going to ask you that. What I want to ask you is, Tell me about each of them and the, the strengths that they bring to the table that, that you've been able to see. Um, they're both really similar. They both bring the kind of the same game. Um, they've both grown a lot since all three of us came in last spring. And, then, um, you know, it's going to be a good battle. They've both been battling pretty good. Practice has been going really good. And um, can't wait to see who's going to come out on top. There's so much attention on that position from fans. There always has been. Right. How does that affect you guys as you go through your workouts, as you get ready for the spring game? I would say it affects us as a, as a receiving core. I would say it, you know, it makes us feel better just knowing that we have somebody that could throw us the ball and get us the ball on a daily basis. So um, it makes us come to work every day and know that we got to be on our game because they're going to be on their game as well. You're part of a really young and talented wide receiving core. Can you talk about some of your other teammates and the strengths that they bring to the table, how you guys complement each other? Right. So, you know, Callaway, he does all special teams like punt return and all those things. Brandon's a lot shorter, quicker. You can put him in the backfield. He can play running back in high school. Tyree's the more bigger body. You know, Freddie can play in the slot as well. Dre Massey. All those guys can come in and contribute. And um, I think we all just have gelled together in a great way to help us compete for a lot of ball games. There's only one ball. So right. only one guy can get the ball at a time. <laughs> How do you compete and have that be a healthy competition? Because everybody wants the ball, and you right. guys have so many playmakers. How does that sort of manifest itself? Um, we know we all buying into the same thing. You know, we all are capable of doing the same thing. We all know we may have to run a route to get such and such open, and we all know the benefit of the outcome. So um, we're not really big on, like, who gets the ball or who catches the most balls. You know, we just want to do whatever it takes to win. All of us want to win. Once the spring game is over, football will sort of disappear again from fans' perspective for a while. Mm -hmm. What happens for you guys once the spring game is over leading up into fall camp? Um, you know, we'll just keep continuing to work out, keep uh, watching film on our opponents coming up this year, and um, just stay focused and keep working hard. So speaking about looking at film your opponents coming up this year, you guys start the season with Michigan, which right. is really different. Usually it's a game in the swamp against <coughs> an opponent most people haven't heard of. Right. This is very different. So right. how much does it affect your preparation and the build-up to the season, knowing that right off the jump you guys have a huge game in Dallas? Uh, we got to be sharp. You know, we got to be over to something. We got to be on point. We can't uh, let up and just know that we have an easy game coming up because, you know, we're going to get tested in week one. And we got to bring our A game to come out on top. I imagine you'll have a little bit of free time once spring ball is over. Probably not a lot, but a little bit. What do you like to do outside of football when you have the chance? Um, I go back home and just spend time with my family, try to stay in shape, and then you know, just come back up and stay ready, just stay in shape and ready for the season. Is it movies? Is it TV? What, what do you do when you have a little bit of time off? Uh, probably skating. Me and my skating. family skate a lot. Me and my brother, my dad, all of us skate a lot. What kind of skating? Four-wheel. Four-wheel skating? Yeah, the ones that I like. So like two. legitimate like roller rink skating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how did your family get into that? Uh, I don't know. I think my dad kind of brought it into us. I've been skating since I was probably like six, and all of us skate. Me, my brother, my sister, we all go to the skating rink on like Saturdays and skate for like three hours. So you guys just like skating around, doing like the the big loop mm -hmm. and watching kids fall over the place yep. and the DJs there, all that. Really. Yep. How did that become um, a thing in your family? I don't really think it's big in South Florida. Um, my dad's from Belglade. I don't know if it was big there back in the day, and that's probably how he learned how to skate. But um, I don't know. It's just something that we do. That might be the answer to this question. I don't know, but I was going to ask you a hidden talent you have or something unique yeah. that, that other people might not know. Yeah, skating. Is it skating? Yeah. <laughs> have, have you gotten any of your teammates to go skate with you? Nah, I haven't been skating since I've been here. I haven't been skating in a while, but 
you know, it's like riding a bike. You don't forget how to do it. If you took some of your teammates skating with you, who would have the hardest time staying on their feet and keeping up with you? Mm, I have no idea. It'll probably be one of like the offensive linemen, though. <laughs> yeah, probably be one of them. Who would be the best at keeping up with you? Who, who could put on skates and immediately get it and keep pace with you? Mm, I don't know. You can't really tell from football. <laughs> it's kind of a balance thing, so you could kind of tell like who has really good balance. So I would probably say one of our receivers, probably like Callaway or Tyree, probably could be able to skate. But um, I don't know. Well, hopefully we'll have a chance to find out someday. Josh Hammond, wide receiver and skating extraordinaire, thank you for talking with us. No problem. Thanks for having me on. There are a number of storylines that have emerged throughout spring practice, from which players will fill the leadership void in the middle of the defense to finding out who will step up next at DBU. But as we discussed with Scott Carter and Chris Harry, it's no secret what everyone is talking about. We're waiting to see who emerges to be the starting quarterback. I mean, uh, this was the same situation as last year. It was just a scenario of two different guys. Two uh, you know, older guys, Luke Del Rio and Austin Appleby, they were vying for the job. The spring game was the first chance of Florida fans to see either one of these guys in mm-hmm. person live. And, you know, that also was the case last year with the two guys now competing, uh, Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask. Uh, they did play in the game last year. Franks had kind of a rough night with three interceptions. Trask, he obviously looked pretty raw, as you would expect, for two guys who just arrived on campus. So I think the key is how much have these guys progressed? That's what everybody's going to take away from this game, I think, in terms of at the top of the, the checklist. You know, Franks, from most accounts, seems to have a, a lead in this battle. Now he's going to get to show it on the field. How's that going to look, uh, you know, Friday night, uh, you know, after the game? Is it What's it going to look like? Uh, we're all waiting to see that, and um, I think that's what is going to be at the top of most people's minds when they walk into the stadium. How are these guys going to look different than they looked last year when they saw them? People come to spring games to see offense. Mm-hmm. People come into Gator games for a few years now, waiting to see offense. And you know, last year, last in the SEC in total offense. So, you know, some anxious Gator fans want to see some fireworks would be great. Mm-hmm. But I think that w- what they'd like to see is just some creativity and getting up and down the field a little bit. And and certainly that's what that's going to be the goal for Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer and whoever the person is under center. Well, you come to spring games to watch quarterbacks. You seem you come to watch points get scored and. It's a battle now, obviously, between Franks, who is obviously the higher regarded of them coming in. He and Trask as prospects. Trask, of course, didn't even start at, at his high school. Meanwhile, Luke Del Rio is kind of sitting back, you know, uh, rehabbing from that surgery he had in the offseason. Shoulder surgery, Scott? Yeah, shoulder surgery. Two of them, actually. The most mm-hmm. recent was the throwing shoulder. So, you know, he's, he's still a ways from getting back out there. Yeah, so it's in the hands of, of two unproven guys. And the only, the only thing that people that will be coming into the – Swamp this week know about these guys or what they did in the spring game last year. Now, Franks, in his defense, I believe he was working with the threes exclusively last year against the two defense, and I think he threw a, a trio of interceptions and stuff. Um, uh, but he was, what, six weeks, two months out of high sure. school. So you can't really put a lot into that. But now he's had a lot of the reps, uh, probably most of the reps. Uh, Kyle Trask, they'll both be given an opportunity to win the job, and people are going to want to you know, see some stuff to give them hope, you know, heading into the fall. I think the whole quarterback thing, you know, you can, like Chris said, you can go around about any spring game in the country, and that's what people want to see. Mm-hmm. I think they just want to leave hopeful 
you know. Right. And I think that's why offense is so important. I've always kind of felt bad for defensive players because they're kind of limited sometimes in these spring games. But really, especially at Florida in 2017 with this situation, the mood is going to be dictated Friday night how those two guys perform. I go back uh, my first spring game when I first started covering Florida. My first year I covered Florida the first time around 1990 was Steve Spurrier's first season. And the swamp was undergoing it. They were changing the turf from artificial surface to grass. Mm. So they played it in Jacksonville. There were over 50,000 people there because everybody wanted to know who Steve Spurrier's quarterback was sure, going to be. And sure. he came in and there were five guys vying for the job. <laughs> and, and Shane Matthews had started at the bottom of that list. And as it turns out, uh, Kyle Morse threw four picks in that game. Uh, he was supposed to be the leader in the clubhouse. Shane Matthews came in. I think he threw three touchdowns in the game and looked in command and stuff. And he sort of came after the game. And he was, Shane looks like he's he's going to be our quarterback. He <laughs> looks like he's the top of the list right now, but we'll see going ahead. So people want to see uh, uh, balls going up and down the field at a spring game. They're not coming to wonder, you know, who's going to take Jared Davis's place, uh, who's going to take Caleb Brantley's place. Uh, mm-hmm. They're coming here to see who's pitching it around. They may not be wondering those things when they show up, but those are important no questions. questions. And, yeah. and those are questions that I think coaches are looking for some answers to during this game as well. well I guarantee you, Randy Shannon on that side is looking at that. You know, they want to mm-hmm. see guys step into those roles. And let's just start off with Jared Davis. I mean, uh, that's a big loss. That's the heartbeat of your defense mm-hmm. uh, last year, last couple of years, really. Uh, they're looking at a young guy, Jeremiah Moon, who's gotten some reps there. You know, Voshan Joseph, uh, another young linebacker, because they've been missing David Reese this spring, who played some of that middle uh, last year. And there's talent, I think, at that position, uh, even though you're losing Davis and Alex Anzalone. I think with young guys like Reese, Joseph, Moon, that's three pretty good young players. Hey, uh, we haven't even mentioned uh, Keelan Johnson, another Mm -hmm. guy who came on last year. So talent-wise, they like what they have there. Uh, you start up front, you know, Caleb Brantley. I think when you look at the defense, uh, I think the biggest questions are probably up front just because you're losing some veteran leadership up there. and Brian Cox and uh, Caleb Brantley, some playmakers. And, you know, you're going to rely on more of your, uh, you know, Kerry Clarks. Uh, Taven Bryan is someone who has, you know, kind of stood out some this spring. Antonius Clayton, who was highly ranked coming in last year, He's putting on some weight. They're hoping to get more out of him. Jabari Zaniga is another guy who mm-hmm. Jim McElwain spoke very highly Played of. really well last year. Yeah, so, you know, I think uh, overall the talent on that side of the ball, it seems to be there. They just need more experience. Uh, but you're hearing good vibe from the defensive coaches from McElwain talking about that unit. But, yeah, there's some jobs up for grab. I mean, it is the quarterbacks are going to steal the headlines the next day in this situation. But without question, there's some players who are going to have a performance we'll probably start looking at them maybe in a different light from this point forward. I do think the defense is in good hands. I think what they're looking for is depth on defense. Uh, last year they had a lot of depth on defense. I'm not saying they won't have it now. I just think it's it's depth that people don't know about yet. Yeah, it's a good point. And you're losing a lot of big names, Jalen right. Tabor, Quincy Wilson, mm-hmm. Marcus May, guys who we kind of, what, three or four years now we've talked about. Now we're getting ready to talk about some new guys like Chauncey Gardner and company. He could be the next great defensive back here. When in kind of the, the pipeline we talk about, remember Vernon Hargraves was all the rage. Right. Then it was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe Tabor is better than Vernon Hargraves. And then it was maybe Quincy Wilson is better than Jalen Tabor. So the pipeline is, is so rich right now for Florida. Maybe Chauncey Gardner That's is right. going to be the guy that, that takes that place as well. That's a uh, problem that the defensive coaches will take every <laughs> yeah. year. Cause one guy – you know, you look at that secondary, Gardner's kind of stood out. They've talked a lot about Dawson and Marcel mm-hmm. Harris, how they've grown. And they've got so many young guys coming in. They signed six defensive backs. So there's some guys who we'll talk about in the fall that aren't here yet. 
But uh, this is a chance for the guys who are here to, you know, maybe stake a claim to some jobs. I think we'll be talking about Marcel Harris a lot this yeah. season because I, th- I go back to the play he made at LSU. And sure. then it wasn't as loud, but the play, he made a very similar play in the Outback Bowl mm-hmm. on a goal line stand that helped kind of set the tone for that game. I think right after that, I think Mark Thompson had the long screen pass for the touchdown. But front line defensive guys, uh, I think the Gators are in pretty good shape. But, like, spring game is – like Scott said, yeah, the defensive player won't have the attention that you know the focus and the spotlight that the quarterbacks will. But those defensive coaches will be looking for guys to distinguish themselves. Last year, the quarterbacks were a big story, but almost even bigger than that was Eddie Pinheiro. <laughs> Everybody wanted to see what Eddie Pinheiro I was going to do. I forgot about that. How in the world did I forget about that? Was that? that was the story last year. Yeah. That was the story last year. <laughs> yeah. So with, I bet you Chris forgot the final score too. <laughs> yeah, I, I guarantee I forgot the final score. What was the final score, Scott? <laughs> well, only because of my research yesterday, it was forty-four to six. Forty-four, 44 to six. Kind of a Wow. Oh, yes. Notwithstanding last year's score, uh, with Eddie Pinheiro being such a headline grabber a year ago and that not being part of the story this year, is it all in the quarterbacks? Or are there other things that you guys are going to be looking for in terms of really important takeaways? There are some other things we'll obviously be looking at. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of those young players. Like, I want to see Jeremiah Moon because mm-hmm. he played so little last year before getting hurt and getting redshirted. Uh, I want to see Dre Massey. Yeah, what, what can he do out there, you know? We just got a glimpse of him. but he got hurt in the first quarter of the season yeah, opener play. last year. Yeah, the first play, and he, he, he was supposed to be a guy who was going to make an impact difference. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm curious to see. I've heard a lot this spring about uh, Kadarius Tony, quarterback, an athlete, kind of out mm-hmm. of the Massey mold. What do they do with him? How does he look? Keymore Gamble, the tight end, he has been really talked up the last couple of weeks. Brings a toughness right as a true freshman just here on campus a few weeks. Curious to see him, but without question – Adam, I mean, yes, I'm going to be paying attention to the quarterbacks more because I think, as we've talked a few times, I think, on this show, to me, that's the only thing holding them back at this point. Sure. And Jim McElwain knows that. His staff knows that. They've gotten back up to the top of the SEC East, but the only way you get back to the top of the elite, you got to have better quarterback play than they've had for, what, seven years now? Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's going to either be – Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask. Two guys that have never taken a snap yeah. in college football. Yeah, to do that at this point. And, you know, Florida fans like Chris talk, I don't think – I mean, you can go around, every school quarterback's going to be center of attention, but Florida is especially true because of these three statues standing out here. Mm-hmm. Every year the game changes a little bit based on injuries, based on what they're trying to accomplish. What will this year's game look like in a tangible sense? Well, just from uh, what McElwain's saying, it's going to be very similar to last year in terms of format. You know, it's going to be four quarters, 12 minutes uh, <laughs> per quarter. They're going to play a real game, keep score. Right? So that's, you know, we've seen some recent spring games because of lack of depth where they've had to adjust the format some mm-hmm. where it didn't really feel like a game. So at least they built this roster up with depth. Again, you got an offensive line that's pretty deep. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere with the game. Uh, people come out and get excited about seeing, you know, the ones against the twos, twos against ones. You know, they flip those. They even made it sound like maybe they'll go one-on-one here and there. You know, we'll have to wait to see. But I know there's going to be a final decision on that later this week. But uh, for the most part, it's going to be, you know, kind of a, a real spring game and the uh, it's on SEC Network. He says they got an hour and 57 minutes to fit it in. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's probably it's a quick pace. And yeah. if they do it like last year, I think after the game, they actually did some overtime drill work, you know, after it went off TV. So mm-hmm. there may be some of that after the uh, the game. Just some notes elsewhere around the SEC. We saw two SEC teams battle for the Women's Basketball National Championship on Sunday. 
And I think maybe most notable for Gator fans is that one of those coaches was Scott Strickland's other That's women's right. basketball hire at Mississippi State, pulled off one of the great upsets of all time, beating UConn. And we talked last week, Chris, about Cam Newbauer and what he's going to bring to this program. You hope that if Scott Strickland had that much success with Vic Schaefer, if he has half that with Cam Newbauer, could be a game changer for the program. Yeah, and I'm not uh, exactly well-versed in, in either of them right now. Obviously, I'll get to know Cam Newbauer a lot better. And uh, about, you know what Mississippi State was able to do was – to win a game like that against UConn, I found a lot of similarities, Adam, in how that all played out over the weekend with what happened with Florida the week four in the overtime, the Chris Chiosa mm-hmm. shot, because you know for a fact that uh, uh, Morgan William and that team didn't get a lot of sleep that night. They were getting a lot of text messages. They were watching that stuff over and over, over sure. late into the night and, you know, have to play against a really tough South Carolina team 36 hours later or, or however many it was. I just thought that was probably real similar because the next day they had to get up and go through that whole media conga line and, mm-hmm. and relive all that stuff all over again. And I had a conversation with Scott Strickland. When he went out looking for a, a women's basketball coach at Mississippi State, he was looking for somebody who could rally the troops, get fans excited, mm-hmm. and, and not, not just go out and just recruit great players. And obviously, obviously that's part of it, Adam, but he wanted somebody who could sell it. And that was obviously one of the one of the things that he went looking for when he when he landed on Cam Newbauer. Cam Newbauer didn't make any bones about it. He told that story about how uh, you know before their NCAA tournament game against Kentucky, he was up in the stands <laughs> trying to get his fans excited about the game because he said the hay's in the barn. We know we have our game plan, and you know they did almost beat Kentucky. But he's going to be a guy who rallies the troops a little bit uh, along the lines of Vic Schaefer. Now, obviously, it's going to be hard to replicate that kind of success, sure. but uh, Scott Strickland has a blue blueprint for finding a guy so uh you know obviously we'll have to see what happens but uh I think people are pretty excited about this new guy coming in and laying down uh, a base and right now he's bouncing around trying to get to know people and rolling his sleeves up getting right to work I think the biggest thing I take away from this and from the Mississippi State South Carolina matchup got to remember no SEC team had ever won an NCAA title except Tennessee Mm -hmm. before that night and I think if there's ever been a window of opportunity for any coach, and we could say this about the Kentucky coach, I mean, this is it. I mean, there's never been a better opportunity to be women's basketball coach at Florida mm-hmm. because South Carolina has proven it. They had no history. They had no tradition. And here they're one of the powers now. Now they're national champs. So door is open there, and I think that's got to drive Cam uh, Newbauer, obviously, uh, as he gets to work here. Worth noting, Mississippi State has never won an SEC title in any women's sport, and they were playing for the national championship in women's basketball. So that's a nice trajectory there. Final thing as we talk a little baseball and softball. Softball continues to roll, swept Arkansas on the road. They've been fantastic all year long. Baseball, though, they've had a struggle a little bit, but now they're coming back around and just had a big sweep on the road. Yeah, they went out to Missouri, swept three games, and after they opened with that in the SEC, they got swept at Auburn. A lot of people are kind of like wondering what's going on with this team because at the point, what, they're 13-8. and eight. Uh, since then, they've won seven of eight, big win against Florida State. Then they go on the road, sweep Missouri. Uh, is still pitching. I mean, that, that starting rotation of uh, Fado and Brady Singer and Jackson Core. I mean, those guys are getting it done. They won two two-to-one games out of Missouri. But also, J.J. Schwartz is starting to hit a little bit. Mike Revere has uh, slammed a couple of home runs here in the last couple of games. So you knew this team was going to hit eventually, Adam, and uh, it's taken longer than I think most expect. But even with that, they're sitting at 20 and 9. They're still, you know, one of the top teams in the country. So as long as that pitching staff can continue to do what it's been doing and 
once the lineup comes around, I mean, they have all the pieces. So now they come home and they host Tennessee this weekend in another SEC series. So uh, it's about that time of year where, you know, they start getting some attention and we'll see how they respond out there. And softball home this weekend against Georgia as well. So a big weekend on campus and we'll talk about it all next week. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. At this time a year ago, a similar quarterback battle was brewing between Luke Del Rio and Austin Appleby. Fast forward to today, and Del Rio is rehabbing following shoulder surgery while Appleby is preparing for his next chapter, which he hopes is in the NFL. We caught up with the Ohio native at last week's Pro Day and asked him about the chance to work out for the 32 teams that hold the keys to the kingdom. It's an opportunity. It's uh, something that we've been dreaming about since you know we picked up a football. You know, to come out here and have an opportunity to go play in the NFL. Uh, I've been working my butt off for the last three months since that bowl game ended. Since that last snap was taken, we've been going hard, and uh, you know, I speak for everybody. And to come in here and at the end of the day to put it down, to forget what the stage is all about, and just go out there and play ball. I mean, at the end of the day, really. You're doing a little bit of running, you're doing a little bit of jumping, and mm-hmm. you're going and playing catch with your buddies. You know, you, how many times do you come in here during the summer and the winter time and go throw routes? I mean, that's that's really all it is to to not kind of look around and say, oh, that's there's there's Coach Belichick sure. or there's sure. a GM or these are the decision makers. You know, and this is my one opportunity. You just go out there and have fun with it. And you know, I really think we all put our best foot forward, and I'm really excited about how the day went. To finish the year the way that you guys did, getting the win in the bowl game and going out the right way, how much did that mean to you and, and your fellow seniors? Huge, huge. It's, what better way to send out the seniors than to, to win the Outback Bowl the way we did? Uh, beat a Big to, Ten team. To beat, a, to beat a Big Ten team that I never beat when I was there. <laughs> and uh, just the way that we did it, full team effort, mm-hmm. touchdowns on defense, touchdowns on offense, You know, we didn't necessarily start the best, but it showed the personality of our football team that we're not going to crumble to the adversity um, for myself to, to have the, the very unlucky start, uh, to have two balls get bounced up in the air mm-hmm. and get picked, to have nobody panic, and then we went to work. And then once it started rolling, you, know, you, you saw what happened. And it was just a blast to go out there with your, with your teammates sitting in the locker room you know we didn't want to take our stuff off like because we knew this was the last time that we'd have this jersey on and we stalled we, we were we were finding any way to, to stay in that locker room and just share the moments with each other share you know hugs and you know just just thanking everybody for how hard we worked and what how much we meant to each other and truly brothers that I'll have for the rest of my life um to be here for one year in the way that they all took me in and I'm proud of the way that I came in and, and earned the respect of them the way that I worked and had them buy into me and, and really go to bat for me. And, you know, and, and I relied on them and they relied on me. It was really, really special that year, everything we were able to accomplish, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. We talked right after your first start, way back in the fall. Now that you've completed this journey and you talked about what it meant to be a Florida Gator and, and looking up to mm-hmm. Tebow and being able to put that jersey on, yeah. what do you take of the whole experience now that you're, you're looking at the rearview mirror? It was even better than I could have imagined. There is nothing like being a Florida Gator. It's great to be a Florida Gator, truly. And it was a dream of mine forever to be able to come here and it didn't necessarily start the way I wanted it to. It wasn't the smoothest road. It's always been an uphill climb. My entire football career has been one adversity after another and me having to fight, scratch, and claw and overcome it. And time and time again, you know, been able to do so. And it was no difference here. But the way that this team, this just this whole place, to wear that gator on, on the side of your helmet and to just, just everything, it's, it's so special. This place is, is sacred. It really is. And 
the people that come through here, the coaches, every person that touches a player here, there, there's truly no place like it in America. Nothing has been easy for you, as you said. So as you've gone through this whole process and getting a chance to participate in some of the things that you wanted to, yeah. how have you overcome those and put yourself in the best position to succeed? Yeah, obviously, you want to get a combine invite. You want to have a senior bowl to go show what you can do. I mean, mm-hmm. most people, when they transfer, they go down a level. I ran to the best <laughs> conference in football and one of the best programs in all of football you know, and, and earned a starting job. With that said, it's kind of we're all back to the same thing where mm-hmm. I might be behind the eight ball again and all I can control is the way that I prepare and when I have the opportunity to have the ball in my hands I, I go do what I do and don't count the reps but make the reps count this was an opportunity for me it was my one opportunity maybe it wasn't a be all end all but this is this was huge for me and the guys that didn't you know necessarily have the other opportunities to you know so where they could come in here and maybe play it close to the best and mm-hmm. just make sure they didn't mess anything up with some of the throwing workouts and Mine was the total opposite. You know, I, there were no layups. You know, we were pumping the ball down the field. You know, this was an aggressive script. We knew the level of difficulty on all of them, and we knew everybody had to be on the same page. And, you know, you can't have any inhibition when you're going through that workout. And, you know, and I, and I had one opportunity to, you know, hopefully show these scouts what I'm all about and make them go back and want to take a second look and ask around and figure out who Austin Appleby is and, you know, answer the question, which everybody here already knows. And uh, I'm excited for a franchise. You know, whoever picks me is going to make a great decision and it's going to be one that uh, is going to ultimately lead to championships. I truly believe that. You know how much attention is in the quarterback position here at Florida and how much there has been for a long time. What's your assessment of the guys who are going to be competing for that job now that you're no longer here? The sky's the limit. Felipe, Trask, um, the young guys coming in, and then my man Luke, you know, the, the, there's so much talent in there. Such a, such a different variety of style of quarterback. You know, so much arm talent, so much ability. You know, for those young guys, they got to, doesn't matter how hard or how far you throw it, you got to learn how to play the position. You know, you got to be able to, in coaching us as offense and Coach Max's system, to, you know, you got to be able to mic point, you got to be able to set your protections, you got to be able to figure out which, what's your progression based on the defensive coverage. You got to be able to get us from a bad run to a good run, make the audibles, make the checks. And it takes a year. And that's what that, that red shirt was for. You know, and it was good that they were lost, and they didn't even know how to call a play this time last year. Now, see him? So much sharper, so much smoother. The way that they have a command about themselves, they're sure of themselves. And they're not there yet. They're growing. You know, they still make their young mistakes. But that red shirt's so important, and I'm so excited for them because you already know they can throw it. They can put the ball anywhere. If you line up and we lined everybody up and said throw a corner out, boom, they put it right on the money. Now when you add the defense, now when you add 100,000 people booing you, now when you add you know, the pressure of a game and a game plan and now you're getting hit, now it changes a little bit. And that's only going to come through experience. The more that they can be out there and the more that they can be put in those pressure situations in practice, you know, in, in a scrimmage, in a, in a spring game, now it carries over and they can keep seeing that picture. If you're throwing curl flat, you've seen curl flat a thousand times. Now when you get in the game, you just, you're just on autopilot. And, you know, the biggest thing that we talk about is being able to take the sophisticated and make it extremely simple in your own head. You know, make the things that you're focusing on, one or two, as opposed to ten, because you don't have time, you're going to get sacked. Right. So just being able to clean that picture up, make it faster, more efficient, that's what happens when you grow and become older. And those guys are, are growing and getting quicker. It's getting cleaner. They're mm-hmm. getting more sure of themselves. You know, why'd you go that way? And now they've got answers. Oh, they rotated, so I went backside. <laughs> they couldn't even know what it meant last year. Right. And, you know, it's awesome to see that, that progression, being out at practice and watching them. And I'm so excited. And, and guys, don't, don't sleep on Luke. 
I'm the biggest Luke Del Rio fan there is, and I want nothing more than for him to, to lead us to a, to a national championship, and this team is built for it. Final thing for you, you've talked about your experience on the field and obviously look at the future, but what do you take away off the field from your time? You only got to be here for a year, but mm-hmm. what did you feel like you gained in that year personally? Sure, I've experienced so many things, not only here but back at Purdue, just the ability to be faced with the adversity that a lot of guys don't face until they get to the next level, mm-hmm. you know, to have an injury. You know, back in high school, the season ender, to be able to fight through back through that and get back to ha- be a buried on a depth chart to earn a starting job, to losing it, to earning mm-hmm. it back, to being a free agent, a transfer, mm-hmm. to going to a new place and starting all over and learning a new playbook, a new system, having new teammates and having to create a bond with them and earn their respect, you know, to earning a starting job again, to being able to play in huge games where things went great and then there were games where we didn't play great. And you face the media, you face the fans where mm-hmm. people care so much. And everything that builds the, a mature, professional quarterback, I've already experienced. And I think it really sets me apart and sets me ahead from so many guys that have never had to experience a bit of adversity in their lives before. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that you could possibly imagine, I've probably been through it already. And I think it's going to serve me well moving forward. As I go, kind of start, everybody starts back at ground zero, being a rookie, a freshman. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for what's to come, and it's going to be a heck of a blast. And, you know, I've been prepared for everything that could possibly come. Lost you in a class act. Gator Nation, appreciate you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Gator Nation. Uh, It's been an absolute blessing to, to play for all of you. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales in the podcast app of your choice, and please leave a review to help us continue to grow. Don't forget to check out the Orange and Blue debut on Friday night at 7.30 on the SEC Network and the Gator IMG Sports Network, and come back here next week for analysis of the scrimmage. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in the swamp.